Welcome back to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. Today, I'm with a very special guest. This is a long-awaited conversation with one of the most interesting people on the planet. He's the author of Love Does, Everybody Always. His new book, Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. He wrote the devotional, Live in Grace, Walk in Love, my wife's favorite. And he's an attorney turned author, speaker, and philanthropist. He is uh, a man of faith, leads his family well. He's been one of my key mentors. Uh, We met a year ago at the Oaks, his property in San Diego. And uh, over the last several years, have just fallen in love with Bob Goff's work. And before I officially welcome Bob to the show, um, I want you to know these things about Bob. Most people are familiar with Bob's work, his books, his speaking. Uh, Maybe you've heard him on a podcast or two. But you should also know this about Bob. Bob is a Ugandan ambassador to the U.S., Uh, He offices out of Disneyland. He puts his phone number in every single book that he writes. Keep in mind, his his books have sold like millions of copies. And he's a New York Times bestselling author. Wants to make himself available. Doesn't believe in meetings and appointments. We're going to talk about that. He's a farmer. He owns horses, cattle, and chickens. And he's an attorney turned author, speaker, and philanthropist. Strong believer, family man. It is such an honor, Bob Goff, to have you on today's podcast. Welcome to our show. Oh, thanks a million. I'm mostly like just sweet Maria's husband and like concierge. (laughs) (laughs) They call me grandpa around here. Uh, We've got uh, three people that we made and then they married three people and then they made three people. So I am now the pastor of a church of 11. Uh, That's amazing. That's my claim to fame and the guy that takes the garbage out on Monday. Yeah. but I'm just so glad we're talking and that uh, that there's uh, people that are uh, ready to take on this mantle of leadership, like those that are listening and you and all that to just say, how, how do we love people more, lead better, maybe transition from uh, doing things that work to things that last? Uh, because, you know, pet rocks worked for a while in the 70s, but they didn't last. So I don't want to do something that just works for a little while and then Peter's out. So as I'm like a generation ahead, uh, I'm just thinking so I'm mindful. I'm not dwelling on this, but I'm mindful. I'm going to end up in a jar someday. And so I want to end up with some things leaning against it. So that's why I write books because I want my kids, kids, kids to know what I thought while I was here, which is why I'm so delighted uh, that you're writing down your thoughts too, man. Everybody's got a book or two in them. I hope you'll get yours out soon. Well, ours is coming soon and I'm learning from you all the time. And I'm, I'm mostly learning through your book, through your writing. And um, I want to I go right there. I want to talk about your, your books. And I want to talk about this really interesting part of your books, which is a good segue to your first book, Undistracted. Um, you put your phone number in every single book that you write and you make yourself available to people. You're present with people and you don't believe in meetings or appointments. And I've once heard you say that at times you'll get like a 100 calls in one day. Tell us why you do this and then how you manage the communication. Yeah, everybody's wired differently. So first acknowledge that, uh, you know, uh, some people aren't wired for that. I'm married to one of those. Um, But for me, like to just say, I think I was just wired towards being curious about people. And I, I know the impact made on me when I've reached out to people and then they've made themselves available. The earliest uh, memory I have of that is Keith Green, way back in the day. 
a songwriter, singer who ended up uh, heading to heaven way too early. Uh, but I wrote to him when I was in college, and it would be in 1977. I wrote to him. And within a day, he wrote back. There was no such thing as computers. They were like letters. <laughs> he wrote back. And I was so stoked. He wrote me three sentences. And I felt like such a boss that Keith freaking Green just wrote me a letter back. And I remember what that felt like. And I really want people to do that. And that was a much bigger deal that Keith Green wrote to me than that I picked up the phone and said hi to Billy. Uh, but I think in a smaller way, it matters. Uh, it matters that we're, we can say, you know, we're the family of God and we can all get in a circle and make friendship bracelets and all that. But, but something about just answering the phone and saying hello um, to have the default position for me, at least to be towards availability. And so what that means is you need to get comfortable with interruptions uh, and Jesus is interrupted all the time. That doesn't make me Jesus because I get interrupted, but it makes me like Jesus, which is what I'm angling for. So how can it be more like Jesus? And it's all these constant interruptions, delightfully so. Um, Paul talked about his buddy Timothy behind his back. He said, that guy, Timothy, takes a genuine interest in the people around him. You want to take a business principle, like just take a genuine interest the people around you and no better way to vet that than be interested in people that you've got no angle on. I'm not trying to sell them a book. I'm not trying to get them to sign up for something. I'd just say hello. And the power of availability is just immense. I know some people listening might be thinking, um, how do you continue to serve the people that you know really well while also making yourself available to maybe new friends or new relationships? I heard you say once that people need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Can you speak to that a bit, Bob? Yeah, I was uh, felt like I was a really busy guy when I was in law school and had all the stuff going on uh, until I met Maria. Then all of a sudden, I had all the time in the world to be around her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm available. So, uh, so what I want you to do is to think uh, when you uh, uh, meet someone, something, an idea that captivates you, uh, then you've got all the time in the world for that. And so I think that's kind of like, it's not like turning bread into fishes, but it's turning like minutes into hours. Like you just got time. Mm -hmm. So I make time for the people that um, I allow to be adjacent to me, which is a concept we should talk about a little bit. Um, this idea of adjacency, like sometimes uh, you have people who are adjacent to you that aren't that good for you. They're a net distraction. Um, and it's not playing fault in this. It's just saying, Maybe you find yourself comparing yourself with them a lot, and that's not their problem, man. You got to own that yourself. But to say, when I get adjacent to them, I feel this thing of comparison or maybe feelings of inadequacy or feelings of guilt or like whatever, insert here, what emotion is distracting you. So uh, if, uh, if you have a tight group of friends that you can be authentic with, um, that's a great way to start, like to be known. You might not be able to be known by everybody, but you could be known by a couple people. So find those people and bring them in a little bit closer. One of the things that's made you effective with people over time is your ability to be present and to stay focused. But I know you've also admitted that you battle with distraction. And I want to go there. I want to talk about your new book, Undistracted. I love what you wrote right behind it. Capture your purpose rediscover your joy. You talk about getting adjacent to things 
that are important to you. And um, before we go any further, I want our listeners to hear this. The first 100 people to send us an email. So you can just email Jordan at MontgomeryCompanies.com. We're going to send you a free copy of Bob's book because this is a book that every single person needs to read, especially if you feel distracted, if you feel like um, you're being pulled in multiple directions. Bob's work is going to be very meaningful to you in this book. His writing will touch you in a significant way. Um, Bob, tell us why you wrote the book. And um, I, I've read it, but some people haven't. And so give us the give us the window into Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. Oh, yeah. That's the cool thing about like career path for everybody listening. I think you should all be authors uh, and then just auth a lot. I know that's not a word. Um, but just write down what you're thinking because you'll be aware. You'll start writing the books you need. So as a flaming seven on the Enneagram, I mean, <laughs> I wake up distracted and I stay distracted and I go to bed distracted. <laughs> That's just where I live. Uh, and so to say, wow, what's that costing me uh, by living this like hugely distracted life? And what it's costing me is a couple of good conversations. It's costing me this competing value of availability. But if I'm distracted by some stuff, I find myself less available. Um, so uh, enter like curiosity. You need to find something bigger uh, than your distraction, something more lasting. And just to say, I'm just going to be curious about things that are going on around me. I'm going to be curious about what's going on within me. So sometimes you're so wrapped around the axle, distracted about what's going on within you, that you don't understand what God's doing around you. So this isn't a pitch for this undistracted, solitary kind of Henry now in life. Um, but instead to just say, what if we pay attention to both be, uh, I fly an airplane and they, uh, can I live out in the bush uh, for two or three months out of the year? My nearest neighbor's 10,000 square miles away. So talk about a place like we grow our own food. We make our electricity off a glacier on the property. We're like in the bush. Um, and so that's just a great way to just kind of settle down uh, and just to focus to say, hey, what is actually going to outlast me? What are the things that will matter more? So what I was finding is the distractions were things that were uh, taking away some of my zeal for life. It was like robbing, it was muting some of the most important ideas that I had. Uh, and some of that comes from within, and some of that comes with who's adjacent to you. So uh, if you have, for example, a friend that catastrophizes, so that would, a catastrophizing would be like taking something really small and then making it really big. Like, what if this, what if that, what if? Um, so uh, that's not a bad thing, but it's just good to know situationally aware of who's around you. Um, mm. They say when you're flying that you don't just look out the window and see if a plane's aiming at you, uh, but you take a look at 10% of the sky, like chunk it up. So take a look, scan, have your head on a swivel and scan everything. Uh, just look at anything bright and shiny and blinking lights coming towards me or a mountain or whatever. And then just take 10% of the sky and chunk it up and take a really hard look at a small piece of the sky. So if you apply that to your life to say, let me just chunk it up a little bit. And I'm just going to scan to say, where kind of am I emotionally, relationally, financially? Um, so just scan the sky. And then let's just take a hard look at 10% of the sky, but you got to keep your eyes moving. 
You can't just lock in or 10%, that 10%. So oftentimes what we'll do is get distracted by, let's say finances is your button. And so you're worried about if the stock goes up or the down or the whatever, or the, they, and I'm not making light of those. Those are, could be big, heavy, important decisions, but I want to keep your head moving. Um, the way to be situationally aware is to know what's going on inside the cockpit and what's going on outside the cockpit. So that tragedy with Colby Bryant, like that, that uh, the helicopter pilot got distracted by what was going on outside the cockpit. And he stopped looking at the instruments inside the cockpit that actually told him where he was. So what uh, they, another thing they teach you in ground school is to have a really quiet cockpit. Uh, keep the cockpit very quiet. You don't want to have a lot of distractions. You don't want to get behind the curve where things happening around you outside of you are driving what's going inside and you're trying to catch up to them. Just really quiet cockpit. And so think about that. I don't have a quiet time. Some people of faith do. Mine are really loud. Like I'll just <laughs> take some time in the morning, but I'm thinking loud thoughts, not quiet thoughts. Um, but to set aside some time, to do that, you could chunk it up any way you want. If you think 10% of the sky, you could say everything that starts with an F, faith, family, fun, finances, philanthropy, if you can't spell, um, uh, or you could uh, find some other way. You could say there's 23 things I'm doing. Uh, there are, that's actually 20. I'm looking at a whiteboard across the room here. Those are the 23 things I'm doing. Um, and then I just scan them really quickly to say, any of those need a lot of immediate attention. And then how could I move that thing one step forward? So if you are um, uh, leading a team of people, um, I can be like, I have a practice of writing. Somebody sends an email and I write the answer. Uh, had I pressed send on that answer, it would come across as curt uh, because I just like just the facts. Like that's the question. Here's the answer. Then what I try to do is add a sentence before and two sentences after. So there's just something about that. Like mm. I just, I get the email, I do the answer. Uh, don't do that. Or let's do twice as much of that. But then I write a sentence before, Hey, how was your weekend? I hope it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what I do in two sentences after it. And if there's any way that I could help you be more successful at that, um, please let me know. Also, if I'm an impediment to that, if there's ways I'm constantly mm. learning. So let me know if I'm uh, by mistake becoming an impediment to that. Um, and so that just has such a different uh, vibe uh, and feel. It doesn't honor the people to give a curt answer. It gives them information. It doesn't give them care and compassion and attention. And I'm not yeah. saying let's go to Maui and talk about it. I'm just saying add a sentence before and two sentences after. And there's something really beautiful about that. If somebody has a question, Billy from wherever emails me and, and I get about 200 emails a day from people I don't know. Uh, and <laughs> wow. they're just, I just think about what Keith Green did for me. He just took a minute and sent me three sentences. Sometimes if I give him a little bit longer answer, I'll take a deeper dive into whatever the topic is, relationships or leadership or whatever. And then I'll copy and paste the part of that that was actually informational. And I'll use that in the next book. I'll actually use mm. this as part of the thousand words a day I try to write. 
And so just what a great way to honor Billy by giving a more fulsome response. And at the same time, what a great way to keep tabs of how you think about something as that's evolving. So I'm just a, a big fan of saying, say, can we be strategic in the way that we're doing things? Quiet cockpit, 10% of the sky, figure out what's going on inside the cockpit, then figure out what's going on. Uh, uh, Jesus had said he never spoke to anyone without telling him a story. It said that in Matthew 15. And so that idea of to just say, like, always think, I'm like kind of think in metaphors and analogies and write a couple of those down, even if it's just for you. You don't have to put it in a book, uh, but you could say to the people around you that I'm actually, this crazy thing happened today and this is what I learned about it. Well, thank you for uh, your transparency and and thank you for writing the book. Uh, we just got a preview of Undistracted. And um, again, I'm going to recommend that if you're listening, you email us at jordan at montgomerycompanies.com. We're going to send you a free copy of Bob's newest book, Undistracted, Capture Your Purpose, Rediscover Your Joy. Bob, so many people associate your name with the word love. And I love how you talk about love, specifically in dealing with difficult people. Um, you have this way of just uh, describing moments and describing situations and people uh, with a loving heart and spirit. I think there's a humility that that oozes out of you. Um, in fact, you once said, um, most people need love and acceptance before they need advice. We have a bunch of leaders listening who want to hear your insights on loving and leading difficult people through difficult situations. Yeah. I was just thinking when you said that, like the best advice I've ever gotten was a hug. <laughs> now I want to be mindful in the marketplace that that isn't the best thing to do. Uh, so I don't hug the people that work with me. Uh, but instead I give them a little bit of a blessing. Like I just put my hand on their head and it's this moment that we have, like, just uh, like, I'm just blessings on your day and blessings. That's like kind of a non-creepy Hug it lets people know that I actually I care and I respect you and whatever. So you can make some some wise decisions uh, interpersonally about how you'll interact with people. Um, and then uh, while I'm available to everybody, um, if I don't know who it is that has responded, I can't tell is this a guy, a gal, or the age. There's not like, hey, I'm graduating from college and, but I don't know who this person is. I make it a party line. So I just loop in my friend, Stephanie. I'd just be like, yeah, all of a sudden it's just like, hey, I've looped in Stephanie because she's just so fun um, and a trusted voice in my life. And she might be a trusted voice in yours. And so it's a great way to honor people. And so if you just start with, how could you do that? And I'm I'm just so delighted uh, if a minor name is ever in the zip code of love, but some people might associate your name with impatient. I'm sure some people do. I'm married to one of them who would associate <laughs> my name with impatient. Hopefully they don't associate my name with jerk. But even if people associate your name with a jerk, the beautiful thing about being a new creation is you get to do this do-over. It's like go full etch-a-sketch mm. every day. And to say that guy's on the bus now, <clears throat> enter new Bob, more patient, more uh, present, more uh, interested, curious about what's happening in your life, more curious about your stuff than my stuff. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, all we do is hide my stuff by asking questions about your stuff because we met people that are doing that. It's like they're not having a conversation with you. They're taking your deposition. Uh, 
Uh, and so like they just got all these questions and they never pause for a little self-disclosure to say, yeah, I just have this weird uh, relationship with ambiguity. On the one hand, I love it. And some like, I should get a middle seat on every plane I'm on for ambiguity to ride with me because uh, I love that. Yet at this other time, there's some areas where having ambiguity, like in relationships, uh, some of the people that you've allowed to be the closest to you, but then they do something that strikes you as a little wonky and you go like, wow, all of a sudden it feels a little ambiguous. And so what's my response to that? Shall I say, hey, that was like kind of wonky. Did that feel weird to you? Because it felt weird to me. Um, uh, but like uh, weird stuff happens all the time. Do you just touch on that with some grace or do you just say, Hey, I don't have to swing at every pitch. So coming up with some kind of understanding about why you're doing what you're doing would be really helpful. That's great. You, you, you've also said, I used to want to fix people. Now I simply want to be with them. Yes. Yeah. I watch you just be with people and sit with them and not necessarily try to give advice or counsel, uh, but just to be a friend and, and be present. Yeah. So if you like meet people and they're just flat wrong about something, whatever <laughs> it is, old Bob, like 30 year old Bob would want to like win that argument. Uh, and I'm a lawyer. I mean, I win arguments for a living, uh, but I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. And so he didn't go around pointing a bony finger at everybody. He said, I'll see you for lunch. Um, he said, uh, I, I started drawing in the sand and I don't know how long he drew for, uh, but I just think we want to make it this quick. Like he took a knee, he drew something and then we're like off to the next story. What if that took hours? What if the guy was doing mm. that? If he were like, so we, I tend to speed everything up cause I'm like Tigger. I want to like, ah, go make coffee nervous. Um, but what if we could like slow that down a little bit and to say, maybe we don't need to be going Mach 5, your hair on fire all the time. What if we had a moment of quiet? There's a guy I was reading about uh, yesterday and uh, he's this famous pianist and he wrote this piece. It's called 433. Uh, and so it came time to roll this out in upstate New York and everybody filled up the concert hall and he walked out, he flipped his tails back, sat down at the Steinway and close the lid to the piano keys for four minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, and then he just sat in absolute silence. And then he stood up, he bowed, and he left the stage. And so the whole idea is that people are like, they became the symphony. They became the people fidgeting in their chair. Somebody coughed. Some, so just try that as a leader. Set your little timer on your iPhone for four minutes and 33 seconds and just say, what if you sit in utter silence for 4.33 and just say, do you learn anything? Or do you get twitchy after a minute? I wouldn't say hold your breath for four minutes and 33 because that's like way <laughs> code blue. Um, but if you could just say, I want to sit in some silence just to reset. I'm not saying like Zen out, but to just like shut up for four minutes and 33 <laughs> seconds and see what might happen in your life. That kind of curiosity will sharpen your leadership. So good. So other good. people will have an opportunity to actually make the music instead of you being the yeah. one that's making all the music. So good. Um, somebody needs to just pause the podcast right here and play the last seven minutes back. That was um, beautifully stated, Bob. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more about just dealing with difficult people through through love, right? That's what Jesus did. And, and I know that um, if we're going to talk about love, we have to talk about 
uh, loving family. If we're going to talk to Bob Goff, you talk so much about your family and um, you write over and over about Sweet Maria. And I want to share just this uh, brief story because when I was with you at the Oaks, your place in San Diego last year, I was feeling, I was sitting there listening to you and I'm thinking, my wife and I are so different. And we were making, we're about to make some big decisions in our family. And and I was on one side of the fence and she was on the other. And then you talked about your differences, you know, in your marriage. In fact, at one point you said, uh, Maria is stable and I'm like the sponsor for Red Bull, that God's designed you just so differently, you know, and yet you've, you've built this beautiful marriage over the course of many years. And you pulled me aside and I was asking you about, um, you know, my marriage and, and you gave me a little bit of advice, but you just kind of listened to me. And I, and I so much admired how you uh, talked about the way that Ashley was created and the way that I was created. And then you challenged me to pursue my wife and just acknowledge and appreciate those differences. And I walked away feeling at peace. Uh, I had a different sense of contentment and really a different perspective on who Ashley is and, and how she's wired. And then you even sent a little video to her that just was um, the coolest <laughs> moment. And, um, but I want, I want you to talk about how you've managed to keep your marriage strong, um, to keep pursuing your wife after all these years. Uh, you say you're three years more experienced than she is. I'll let you explain why. Um, yes. Give us a window into your, your, your marriage and, and how you've pursued Sweet Maria. Yeah, I've been loving her for three years longer than she's been loving me back. Because <laughs> I was trying and she was just not having it. Um, but what if you do this? We just celebrated. It's been 35 years and 13 days uh, since we were married. And it isn't like a parlor trick to remember. But what if you were to honor the person that uh, that you love the most, whether you're married or not, Um by just remembering, I just like keep track. I, I, I'm counting up, I think she's counting down. Um, but uh, what I wanna do is to say, honor the people that you love uh, by remembering like how long has it been? And uh, there's just such a great way to center yourself, to say we've been married seven years, three months, nine days. Uh, wouldn't that just be great to just, uh, it'll just remind you the things that in the scriptures for people of faith, um, that they talk about dwelling in Christ, like just that idea to dwell is to just like kind of live there. And you just keep track of places like that. Um, you might uh, keep in mind uh, when the sun sets every day, like, uh, you know, 725 is San Diego. Uh, now we're, it used to be a little bit longer, but I know it'll be 724 in a day or two and 723. But I know about when the sun is setting and when you know when the sun is setting, then again, it's not a parlor trick. You'll have a greater chance of seeing a sunset. It sounds like it's so like self-evident, mm. but some of us just get so busy and then you look up and it's 8 p.m. And instead of you like banging out some emails, like still go do that if you like, but why don't you go check out the sunset and then come back and do that. And you don't have to make a new rule for yourself. I'm going to watch every sunset. Uh, January 19th of every year is quit day. And they did a poll of several million fitness places. And they say, on balance, what's the day everybody bails on their New Year's resolution? And most people make it about 19 days. I make it about 19 seconds. Where I do like <laughs> one push-up a year, whether I need it or not. But, um, but what I stopped doing is making resolutions. And I decided I'm going to live with resolve. I'm going to, it's not just a play on words, but to just know what you want vet those things to know why you want it and then live with a resolve start with a concentric circle start with your family 
um, start with your if faith is guide your step. You gotta, uh, gotta get that on the board, and then start saying what's the next ring out like uh like uh, concentric rings of this tree you could say some friends a small handful of friends that know me and that pursue me and it's feels reciprocal i'm not always the one pursuing them that they're actually interested in me as well and then you might have a broader uh, ring of colleagues that you work with you spend a lot of time working and all that that's awesome so what i want to do is not start on the 50th ring to say, what's your position on whatever the issue of the day is? Uh, gay, straight, Buddhist, Baptist, like wh whatever somebody's, that's their number one issue. That's not my number one. Uh, and so know what your number one is. Uh, mm. uh, if you ask somebody, like when somebody's, it doesn't happen that often because I'm like the balloon guy, but like uh, somebody gets in my grill about something. Uh, I'll just say like, how many people have died in Yemen this year? Tell me how many children have died. And they go, well, I don't know. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's not like I know some of you, know, but it's 83,000. Um, mm -hmm. It's because that's like ring number four or five to me, like some of the stuff that's a uh, interest to me. And the thing they want to talk about, that's their number four or five, but it's my number 50. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean they need to change. They don't need to make Yemen their number one thing. And I don't need to make their thing my number one thing. Doesn't make me right or them wrong or them right and me wrong. Um, but what I want us to do is be really intentional, live with resolve. Just know that these are the 23 things I'm doing right now. I'm doing scanning quick. Then I'm gonna take a look at 10% of the sky, gonna go deep. Then I'm gonna say, does that still need to be my number four? And it, uh, if it does, then awesome. What can I do to move that forward? I don't want to just identify with issues. I don't want to make a headline. I want to make a difference. Um, yeah. So we've got a school in Afghanistan, which is actually open and it has been open within six days of the takeover. Uh, and the reason is that we went to the new folks in charge and said, can we let our girls still go to school? And the response is so long as you don't make a big deal about it. And so we just don't make a big deal about it. You're not going to see that anywhere. And because of that, there's a bunch of girls that have been in school for the last year plus. And so what I want to do is use that as an example. You don't need to make everything a headline. Uh, you will not see pictures of my grandkids on social media. You won't see pictures of my kids on social media. I just like there's some stuff that's just us. And then there's other stuff that's for everybody else. And so just being intentional, living with that kind of resolved it's a planned spontaneity think of it as strategic whimsy to just mm, say i'm going to be strategic that. about it but i'm also going to be very winsome about it like everybody call me up we'll talk um but we'll be mindful like i don't talk to people on speaker phones it's not like a picadillo it's not because i'm it just feels really impersonal and so i just said like i just don't talk to friends on speaker phones so when they call and i can tell it's on a speakerphone. I'm like, oh, just give me a call. I got the phone up to my ear. And if I don't make them feel bad, I just like, you get to decide the context in which you're going to engage people. Somebody wants to have a big meeting. Yeah. I'll say, I'm meet you on Thompson Island. And if they don't want to pay a hundred bucks to get in, then I guess we're not meeting because that's, <laughs> that's, that's where, where you'll I be. <laughs> that's where I do. Because you have a different conversation. It's location, right. location. Don't meet in a boardroom. I think that's why God mm. made Starbucks, right? Make them pay. Uh, if they yeah, don't want to meet you $7 good. worth, then I don't think it's worth meeting. That's great. 
Bob, I want to honor your time. Uh, you've already delivered so much wisdom and we've shared some laughs and this has been just a real honor. I, I do want to ask you for any last pieces of just advice or wisdom that you want to leave us with. Before I do that though, I want to give a shout out to our, our good friend, Brad Lominick for oh, connecting us guy. originally last summer and now again on the podcast. So much respect for Brad and and, and love him dearly. Come on. He's um, a guy you want to uh, keep close. Like he's a guy you want adjacent yes. to you. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The idea of advice, what if we just chuck that and say, let's replace that with that idea of tell me your experience. Because people ask all the time, like, what's your advice? And people, I, there was a guy I've sailed uh, across the Pacific two times, which I don't understand why, because I hurl the whole time. I just like a great weight loss <laughs> program. Like in your face, Jenny Craig, like literally like, and so, uh, uh, there was a guy that was telling me we we're planning a third trip and he said, I do this. And then I do that. And you want to make sure you do this. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, you'd like you sail. And he said, Oh no, no, I've never left Ohio. <laughs> he had all kinds of advice. He just had no experience. And so what I want to do is in, when somebody wants to give me advice, not in a, like uh, a, a, a negative way or a weird vibe way, but you say, Hey, tell me your experience. So if they want to tell you advice on relationships they say, mm. well, tell me what's your experience in relationships. Uh, and some people have had terrific experiences and some through no faults of their own have had really rugged experiences. But uh, if we ask people for your experience uh, instead of your advice, you'll uh, you'll be able to understand the context in which they're speaking. So if they give you financial advice and then you find out there's experiences they've gone bankrupt four times. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes the weird stuff just happens. But if it, weird stuff happens consistently, I would just divide that by the biggest number you can think of. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so That's so good. does that make sense? So totally everybody's does. got yeah. advice. It's like toilet seats. Everybody's got yeah. a couple. But uh, but to just say like, so tell me your experience in that. In a, in a really like positive, like really, really, like tell me, how you've crushed it or what's worked or hasn't worked. And it isn't always the up and to the right people. I mm. trust more the people where their experience has been, it is really painful, but they can actually tell you that's uh first Corinthians uh, one, three to just say like that God uses these difficult things uh, to uh, comfort us so that we can comfort others with the comfort we receive from him. So I'm not looking for up to the right. I'm just looking for authenticity. To say, so yeah. Good. yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, you're most effective when you're most authentic and you have lived a life of just authenticity. Love how you share Jesus, wear your faith on your sleeve, love your family. Um, I know we have a whole bunch of people that are wanting to check you out. Many people already follow you who are listening to our podcast, but if they didn't follow you before, they're following you now. And we're going to get copies of your new book in the hands of our listeners, first 100 people. If you're listening to this, send us an email. We'll get you a copy of Bob's new book undistracted. Um, Bob, from me to you, just want to say many thanks. You're a special gift in this world and you're a gift to me. Oh, thanks. It's just great being together. And I think all together we make one really well-adjusted person, right? Yeah. But it takes all of us. <laughs> Amen. Be well, my friend. Thank you for the time invested and the time spent. Uh, God bless oh, you. Thanks a million. Great being with you, Jordan. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. What an awesome conversation with Bob Goff. Bob, you're the best. Thanks for being you. Thanks for spreading your goodness, your wisdom, and your energy out into this world. If you enjoyed today's episode with Bob, would you share it with a friend? Um, share it with somebody who needs to hear this, that you might be a blessing to others by way of Bob's 
conversation and this message. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, would you subscribe? We'd love to be able to move our mission of impact forward in this world. Uh, we'd love it if you join our community in a deeper way. I want to say thanks to John Cho and James Roth of Storyline Multimedia. Could not do this without you. Thank you for all that you do behind the scenes. This is a podcast to help the leader go faster, farther. And we hope that we helped you do that today. God bless. Be well. Have an incredible day.